Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Great to see all of you here tonight. I am blessed to be here, no doubt about it, on Wednesday between Christmas and New Year. So you guys are the real Christians. Amazing. So if, any, if you're going to pick any night to not go to church, I mean, you know, this would be one of those, but you came. So I'm really glad you're here tonight, and uh, I'm, I'm grateful to God. I'm, I've got some things to say to you as a result. And, uh, you know, speaking of things not to say, this, this little boy was, was uh, in a Sunday school presentation, and he's on the stage, and he freezes when his line comes to him. And his mother's sitting on the front row to, you know, to prompt him. And as he's standing there stunned, she begins to mouth his line, but to no avail. He couldn't read her lips, and so he was completely stumped. And therefore, she leaned forward and whispered, I am the light of the world. He perked up so proudly and spoke with a loud voice, My mom is the light of the world. <laughs> Tonight I want to talk to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 And we're going to read 5 or 6 verses Starting in verse 4 Tonight I want to talk to you about Elohim the extreme Elohim the extreme Now Elohim is the name of God If you open up your Bible to Genesis chapter 1 It says in the beginning God That word God is the Hebrew word Elohim and it literally means God the Supreme or the Supreme God. I love that. The Supreme God. And this Supreme God is an extreme God. And we're going to see some extreme characteristics of Elohim tonight. And we are grateful to God. I want us to just finish out this year, this last, last week of December, looking at his extremities. <laughs> And one, we're going to start by reading verse 4 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Are you ready? I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus. There, right there, is an extreme characteristic of our God. Everybody say estimation. Verse 5, that you were enriched in everything by Him, Think about that. You were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, verse 7, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody say extravagance. Verse 8, who will also confirm you to the end, did you see that? To the end. He will confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone say establishment. And then God is faithful, verse 9. God is faithful. Turn to somebody tonight and just encourage them with those words. God is faithful. God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Everyone say endurance. These are some extreme characteristics of our God. And I want us to reflect on these things. His estimation of us, His extravagance in what He's given us, His establishment and how He has confirmed us to the very end, and His endurance that He is faithful to all generations. Father, thank You for these next few minutes.
with your precious people. Thank you, Lord. For those that are here in the room, those that are with us by live stream and those listening by podcast, I thank you, God, that great grace will be upon them, that peace and grace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ will be granted to them. And, Lord, we thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ now to be upon all of us here today. Lord, we didn't come here to play a Christian game. We came here to know you more. We came here to experience you and your grace and your mercy and to experience your love that is so extravagant, a love that we cannot be separated from, a love that endures, a love that believes all things, it hopes all things, endures all things, a love that never fails. Thank you, Lord, that you so extravagantly extravagantly gave us this great love. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. He says, I thank my God, verse 4, always concerning you for the grace of God, which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Here we see God's estimation. His estimation in that it was beyond our estimation because our estimation, for the most part, is you reap and you sow. Karma. I'm thankful that Christianity is exceedingly abundantly above karma because if karma is all we got, I am screwed. I don't know about you, but, I mean, it's not a good end. Sorry, I didn't, couldn't think of a better word there for a second. I'm done for. I mean, really, it's not... We really all are, but God, in His estimation, decided to exceed that by giving us grace. See, that we, this God of ours is extraordinary. The Scripture says in Romans 4, verse 5, Romans 4, 5, But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. Think about that for a moment. How does the God who is just justify ungodly people? It makes sense that he justifies godly people. But this God justifies ungodly people. Well, how did he do that? Well, bring that up if you would. Who is back there at the computer? Jill. Hi, Jill. Thank you. Everybody say, thank you, Jill. Romans chapter 4, verse 5 said, But to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. So there's only one way that you can be counted righteous, and it's to him who does not work, but believes. To him who does not work, but God will not have it any other way. He will not have it any other way. And the way that you are justified is by faith in Him. Because He justified the ungodly. And the way He did that is that He blamed Jesus for all of our ungodliness. He put all of that blame on His Son. All that was coming to us. All the karma. All that you reap what you sow on Jesus. So that then He could usher in a free gift to us. Called grace. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that you estimated us in this way. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. He justified the ungodly. So that all we could do is believe Him. That's really all He wants. That's all He'll accept is anybody who will simply believe. You can't work for this. You can't religion enough for it. Hmm? 
Now, the known definition of, of grace, as we have covered here many times, is unearned, undeserved, and unmerited favor from God. I like this definition. It is the divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life, including gratitude. Do you see that? The heart response to the grace of God, to the divine influence upon the heart, is one of thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Can we all just thank Him for just a moment? Thank Him for His grace. Listen to this. I want to just read this scripture to you from Colossians. You don't have to bring it up on the screen. I just want you to hear these words. Colossians 1, 21 through 22, it says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now He has reconciled. See, someone who does not have, I mean, it's, it's hard enough being a Christian and thinking God's on your side. But when you're not, you feel like He's completely not on your side. Right? That you have upset the man upstairs. But listen to this. He is reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy. This is what Jesus did when he presented his body. When he offered up his body through death, he presented you through that death holy, listen to this, and blameless <laughs> and above reproach in his estimation or his sight. That's his estimation of you holy, blameless, and above reproach in His sight. Oh, God, help us to see us like you see us. Help us not to get caught up in our own physical failures and our own carnal thinking to think that that's the measure of who we are. When you have recreated us, made us who were old, dead, gone, in the condition of sin, but now we have been made alive together with Him. By grace, we have been saved. A whole new creation, and old things are gone and new things have come. If anyone be in Christ, are there any ones here? Anyone be in Christ. He's a new creation. Amen. I like the way Alex preached this one time. He said he didn't just make you a refurbished uh, condition, didn't just better your condition. He gave you a brand new condition. Yeah. Amen. And now through Jesus, see, he's able thou through his death, not yours, not your works, not anything you've done, through his death. Through the offering of his body, he's now, through that perfect sacrifice, once for all sacrifice, able to present us holy, blameless, and above reproach. Now, I want you to say this tonight. I am holy. I am blameless. I am above reproach in his sight. Ooh, let's say that again. I am holy. I am blameless. I am above reproach in his sight. Hey, this is what the Bible teaches you about you. So you're going to have to get over what you think and feel about you. It's time to start believing the truth and believe the good news. Are you hearing me? Believe the good news tonight. Dr. Richard Seltzer, he was a, uh, wrote a book called Mortal Lessons about what he's learned from dealing with people in the worst kinds of situations. And he wrote about one incident where he had to remove a tumor from a young woman's face. And, and in the process, he was forced to remove a tiny twig of her facial nerve. Um, and, and when that happened, the procedure left her mouth twisted in a palsy. Uh, she asked the surgeon when she woke up, will my mouth always be like this? And he said, yes, uh, the nerve was cut during the surgery. And she nodded and was silent about it, but her husband whose eyes never left his wife, the doctor notes this, never left his wife, he smiled at that moment and said, I like it. 
I think it's kind of cute. Dr. Seltzer said that I, I watched in wonder as this husband bent down to kiss his wife and he twisted his own lips to accommodate hers to show her that their kiss would still work. On a hill outside of Jerusalem in the first century, Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin, that we who are sinners might become the righteousness of God through Him. He was unblemished. He became mangled for us in our mangled condition. He exposed Himself to ridicule. He was blasphemed so that we who were rightfully accused and accursed, we were lost in sin and shame, could now be clothed in Him and be called sons and daughters of the Most High God. He was forsaken by His Father so that we would be forgiven that we might be redeemed. Jesus, the Son of God, bent down to kiss humanity. And as He did, He became twisted up in our sins to meet us sinners in our twisted condition. And by God's gracious estimation tonight, my family, you were worth everything Jesus went through to bring many sons to glory. The, the right and the natural response of a heart who has had the divine influence upon it. The grace of God is to offer up a praise of thanksgiving to Him. That's what pleases our God. A sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. See, not only He, he doesn't only want you to feel good about Him, He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear your praise on your lips. He wants to hear your voice utter, thank you, God. Bless you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Amen. That blesses him, and he calls that a sacrifice of praise. David said it like this, Let my prayer be set for you, before you as an incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Amen. Let's look at verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 4. Is this okay tonight? All right, that you were enriched in everything. Say, enriched in everything. All right, that kind of covers it all, doesn't it? You're enriched in everything by him in all utterance and all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ Jesus, or Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short and no gift. That means you lack nothing concerning his gifts. Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he takes us from his estimation down to his extravagance. Now we see the kind of God that he is. He is Elohim the extreme. He is the God of more than enough. That's one of his names, El Shaddai. The God of more than enough. He's extreme. Man, religion hates this kind of talk about God. I don't know why. Why people can't accept how extreme he is. But let's not forget, what we deem as precious here in fine gold, that's pavement where he lives. Huh? He's an extreme God. And it says that he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. See, he wants you blessed. See, the blessing of Abraham is not that you're just blessed to be a blessing. That's nice. No, it's greater than that. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. You're not just a tool to God. You're just not a conduit for blessings. I will bless you, and you will be a blessing. That's the blessing he pronounced over Abraham, and that's the blessing that Jesus died for so that the blessing of Abraham could come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Isn't that marvelous? Oh, man. But see, religion's got this false humility about it that sounds so right. Well, Lord, you know, I don't want much. I don't want to bother you too much up there. Who are you talking to? I mean it. Lord, I just want my needs met. I don't want to ask anybody. I don't want anything extravagant. 
I like the Bible school answer. All I want is you. Really? How are you going to pay your bills, man? It's a nice religious thing to say. But come on, God knows you need money. He knows you live on planet Earth. And none of that scares him. Matter of fact, he loves providing for his children. Peter said, we got to pay taxes. Jesus said, well, go fishing and grab a gold coin out of that fish's mouth and go pay it. He knows you got a habit. Hmm? But he shows us the nature of God. Think about it. When I read the scriptures and us Bible studiers here, we pay attention to first mention things in the scriptures. It's important. It's one of the, one of the rules of scripture interpretation to pay attention to first mention things. The very first miracle Jesus performed was one of extravagance, right? One of excessive abundance. Gallons upon gallons upon gallons upon gallons of wine. Hey, let's not forget they'd already drank all the other wine. It's not like they didn't have any at all. It said they had drunk it gone, and so they needed more. I love Jesus. The first miracle, he just kept the party going. Yeah. Amen. See, we talk about, I'm telling you, religious people hate this stuff. They don't, I remember when I was in Bible school, there was an, there was an actual argument. Well, it wasn't real wine. Jesus wouldn't have done that. Really? No, it was, um, it was fermented grape juice. What do you think wine is? I mean, it was a, it was a big topic when I was in Bible school. And they just could not accept that that was, that was actual wine. When the master of the feast said, wait a second, why'd you save the best for last? By this time in the party, we're usually down to the boons but, but you've got the best stuff at the end. We drink the best stuff first, and then we go to the inferior wine. But you say the best for last. Interesting. If it wasn't real wine, how come the Pharisees are calling him a drunkard? Or as the King James says, a wine-bibber. Which just means an excessive drinker. If it wasn't real wine. And Jesus shows up and gives them real wine, a whole lot of it. It's his very first miracle. And his last mentioned things are very important to talk about, too. The very last miracle Jesus performed was when the, after he was raised from the dead, and he tells the disciples, throw the net on the other side. And it says they drew in 153 large fish. First miracle and last miracle were those of extravagance. Extra did they need 153? Did they need 120 gallons of wine? It's not about need. None of those miracles are there to show us our need. It is to show us how He meets needs. How He meets them. And even in when He fed the 5,000, you can read the story. It's in all four Gospels, actually. When He fed the 5,000, it says that they continued to distribute the five loaves and the two fish, continued to distribute, and gave everyone as much as they wanted. I love that He's not a communist. Everybody gets equal share. I mean, just, just get enough till your belly's full. You don't want to overdo it. And he says as much as they wanted. I love this about God. I love this about Him. See, when you got Jesus, you truly got everything. Man, He's never going to wear out. He's never going to grow old. He's a well that never runs dry. There is none before Him, and there is none beyond this great Savior. Hmm. <laughs> You can't even measure him because he's immeasurable. How high do you want to go, my family?
He's ever higher. Huh? How deep you want to dig, He's deeper. Whatever you deem to be great, He's greater. Hey, listen, as lovely as the one you love is, He's ever lovelier. He's brighter, He's stronger, He's taller. He's exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And the Scripture says He is the fullness of the Godhead. The fullness of the Godhead bodily. I like this. What David said in Psalm chapter, uh, what is it, 16? Psalm 16, 11? 16, 11? I think it's 16, 11. It says, uh, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right, is that right? Thank you, Brian. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Did you see that? At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, what's at his right hand? His son. Everything that you've ever dreamed of, hoped for, the greatest measure of pleasure is found in His Son, seated at His right hand. Thank God for Jesus. I love, listen to what John said. Out, now I'm going to give you, John, this is John's amplified version, all right? For out of His fullness, abundance, we have all received and had a share and were all supplied with one grace after another and spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing and even favor upon favor and gift heaped upon gift. Peter said, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Paul said, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality. Wow, and power. Verse 8, 1 Corinthians 4. Let's get through this. Who will also confirm you to the end that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, not only has he made you blameless now, He's made you blameless on judgment day. Ooh, I love that. That's how established in salvation you are. That's how saved you are tonight. Hallelujah. That he's confirming you all the way to the end so that you can be like John said. Remember, in this, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. See, the day of judgment is a fearful day. But not for you. It's a fearful day for those who have not called on the name of the Lord. It's a fearful day for, those, day for those who have not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who have not acknowledged that He died for their sins. But for you who have, that's a day of boldness, not a day of fear and trembling. That's a day of boldness because you stand there not by works of righteousness that you have done, but by His mercy. And He said, no one comes to the Father but by me. My family, let's remember Let's remember this sombering truth. Everyone, everyone is going to God. Everyone will stand before God. But Jesus said, no one comes to the Father. That's good news. See, you're not going to a judge. You're going to the Father. Because you already settled your case out of court. Because you pleaded the blood. Amen. Yeah, that was good preaching. That's all right. I'm... So, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. I thank God for that. Which, you know what that means? That means God's not going to forgive you. He already has. You're spinning your wheels asking God to forgive you. You need to think in that he already has. 
again and again and again and again. I've said this before. I'm married to this woman. She's married to me too. And Heather and I, are, we, we peaked over 23 years in August. And, uh, but, you know, since the day I asked her to marry me on February the 13th, 12th, February 12th, 1994, after our first date of January 7th of that same year. And it wasn't a shotgun wedding, so I just didn't hear any rumors or anything. She uh, asked her to marry me that day. You know, I've never felt the need to ask her to marry me again. Wouldn't that be redundant? Will you marry me? Well, duh, I already did. See, that's what I'm saying. Christians get ideas. People get ideas about, God, will you forgive me? Hey, I already did. I already forgave you. What are you asking for something that I've already given you? Mm. Mm -hmm. I know. I know that messes with you a little bit. It messes with me too, but I'm just trying to, really, I just want to live by what the Word says, and we have to see it how He see it, sees it. Either He forgave us of all of our sins, or when did He forgive you? When you asked or when Jesus died? Hmm? Okay, all right, okay. All right, well, maybe we'll come back to that maybe some other time. And He went way too quiet on me. Uh, his establishment, He has established us. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Hebrews 10, 14, I love that. He has perfected. In other words, you're already you're perfect, but you're in process too. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Lastly, lastly, verse 9. God is faithful. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them that again. God is faithful. By whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This last thing, this last extremity of our Elohim is His endurance. The Scripture says that His truth endures to all generations. That His faithfulness surpasses the skies, the clouds, the mountains. God is true to His Word, and He's true through and through. Praise God. You know what I love about God? Is that His faithfulness exceeds all of my own expectations of Him. You can experience the truth of His endurance when you get His Word in your mouth and you see it manifest in your life. God wants you living in the experience of His Word. Not just have owning a Bible. He wants you living in it. Amen. Because His Word is alive. It's powerful. Amen. And, and, and you can experience it over and over again. My great-grandfather in southern Oklahoma, we call him Pa. Pa Holler. He had a barn and he had a light at the very top of the barn, I don't know, maybe 25 feet up, kind of at the peak of the barn, a light there. And my dad was sitting out there one day, and uh, he said, uh, Paul, do you always leave that, that light on? He said, yeah, yeah, I do. He said, because all I ever do is see it on. He said, it's on 24 hours a day. He said, well, why don't you turn it off? He said, well, I can't. I didn't, I didn't wire switch to it. He said, when I built this barn, I put a junction up there, and I screwed in a light bulb, and it's been on ever since. He said, how long has it been on? He said, 20 years. He said, that's not true. He didn't believe him. He said, well, I don't have any other way to prove it, except you can't get up there and change the light bulb. I mean, you could change it, but you'd have to get a tall ladder. I don't have a switch for it. And Dad said, that's amazing. And th these are the words I, I, Paul told him. He said, a light burns out 
because it's continually turned on and off. So your Heavenly Father is a constant and a steady display of undying endurance. He never fails. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. He said, have I said it and shall I not do it? Or have I spoken it and will I not make it good? James said it like this. Don't make the mistake. Don't err at this. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness. In other words, he's not going to change being good. He's always good, always was, and always will be. Amen. Think about this. Every good thing in your life has come from Him. Thank God for that. That's why Paul said, but as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in Him was yes. For all the promises, all the promises, all the promises of God are in Him, yes. And amen to the glory of God through us. Amen. What's his answer to you? His answer tonight is yes. What will his answer be tomorrow? Yes. Hmm? Amen. I got a religious friend. He's a part of a denomination, pastors of church, and he tried to teach me one time about how God answers. Sometimes God answers no. Sometimes God answer is slow. Sometimes God answer is whoa. I said, dude, what, where did you get that? Nice poem, but none of that's true. Scripture says all of his promises are in him. Yes and amen. If Garth Brooks would have just kept believing God, he might not have wrote that song, Some of God's Greatest Gifts Are Unanswered Prayers. Because <laughs> as far as I know, God always answers our prayer. Amen. How do we know? How can you be sure God's going to answer your prayer? Because you went to church on Wednesday between Christmas and New Year's? Yeah, maybe. But Jesus said, whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. Comes back to believe in God. Faith are the terms that he has set for us to abide by. He who comes to God must believe that he is and He's a rewarder to those who diligently seek Him. Elohim, the extreme. His estimation of us is that God justified us by faith and we are holy and blameless and above reproach in His sight. His extravagance that has been bestowed upon us is one that is far beyond what we could ask or think. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We're complete in Him. His establishment is that we are saved, not only now, but for good. He is confirming us to the end. Amen. So that we will stand blameless before him in judgment and his endurance, that God is faithful, faithful, faithful to all generations. Thank you, Lord, for this time together. Lord, I pray that your people will leave here equipped and strengthened and encouraged and built up by the word tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you always, always are faithful to us. When you became a man, you proved to us once and for all that you are on our side. And now the Scripture says that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, 
the man, Christ Jesus. Thank you that there is a man interceding for us tonight at the very right hand of our living God, making intercession for us. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for our sins. Thank you for raising from the dead so that we all have an assurance that we will also rise into life and that forevermore in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise God. Thank you for being here tonight. We love you very much and pray that you finish out this year strong and with high expectations of an even better year in 2018. We'll see you Sunday morning between 9.30, either 9.30 or 11, or maybe both. Let's stand together and let's go out of here tonight with the blessing of God. Father, thank you for your blessing on your people and they're going out just like they've been blessed and they're coming in. Lord, I declare that they are what your scripture says. They are the head and not the tail, above only, never beneath, first, not last, victors, no longer victims. I thank you, Lord, that you caused the mountains and the hills to break forth with singing and the trees of the field to clap their hands as your people go out of here with joy tonight. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.